Next Chapter Podcasts. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go And in need of a friend The king of peace for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end with my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. God damn. Neil Young might be the godfather of grunge, hence why I'm wearing my flannel shirt, my Doc Martens. I put some Manic Panic hair paint in. I got my uh, bomber jacket that I bought from Smash in Georgetown, uh, which I used to skip school to go to so I could buy uh, Clockwork Orange t-shirts because I was the hippest fucking 16-year-old kid at Seneca Valley High School. Oh, shit. Hey, hey, my, my... Uh, this is the second version of it. Last song on the record. Uh, of the record, Russ Never Sleeps by Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Uh, made in 1979. It's number 351 out of 500 on my show, The 500, with Josh Shadowmeyer's Scoogly Boogly Do. There's somebody so mad right now that I just spoke in Oogle language. All right, so let me tell you about my week. I went to go see My Morning Jacket at Forest Hill Stadium in Queens. Thank you, Silvio, my agent from William Morris, from getting me dope-ass tickets. Uh, VIP, Brittany Howard Open. Uh, She did two songs off of Maggot Brain by uh, Funkadelic and crushed it. And then My Morning Jacket came out and put on arguably one of the best shows I've seen since the pandemic. I saw Soulfly. I've seen Guns N' Roses. uh, Both of them great. My Morning Jacket. I wish I could have gone to the second night because that's what I love about a band. I love about any band that will just play they have such a catalog of music and they're like we're doing multiple shows we're not playing all the hits we're gonna play two different sets each night that was my problem with beck and i loved beck but the last like seven shows that i went to go see was the same show my morning jacket not so much man they played so many different hits ended with megita the only song man fuck i wanted steam engine they didn't do it they probably did it on saturday 
and I wanted Lay Low. That's the song that I cried to when I first was doing the record Z on the podcast. And on the way home from San Diego, Lay Low just hit me those guitar solos. Oh, they played to Dante. Man, that was a great show. Uh, go see live music, everybody. Go see live music. We're back, kinda, so just do it. And join the Patreon, because we need your support. Uh, $5 or more. Help us out. Some of you have been uh, telling me what will get you to pay that $5. We're taking your requests. We're going to do more stuff. I don't know. Just help support the show, guys. It's expensive. I don't want to quit doing it. I want to keep doing it, but I need to pay these people. So patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast or join the YouTube, youtube.com backslash Josh Adam Myers. And follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. And I'm at the Comedy Cellar almost every night. The Stand. I'll be at Moon Tower this uh, upcoming 22nd through the 25th in Austin doing the goddamn Comedy Jam. Live 500 taping. And then I'll be Long Island. I'll be in Edmonton, Vancouver, Plano, Texas. I'll be in Cancun. I'll be in Houston for Skankfest. Lots of stuff coming up. Let's talk about Neil Young. Harvest Moon. That might be my favorite song by him love Harvest Moon. This is a dude that I knew he was important, but once again, didn't really listen to him until this podcast. So this is really my first real record with him. Not gonna lie, it's a good one. My guest today, huge fan. Huge fan. This is the reason we, we train, man. This is the reason we do the podcast, to have a guest like this, the one and only Tom Papa. Tom, an incredible comedian incredible comedian he has a show called what a joke with fortune themester on sirius xm breaking bread his podcast he's got a netflix special called you're doing great but this guy is a legend in comedy one of the funniest people working today uh, he's currently working on his third book but today we're talking about neil yizzle with tom pizzle Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Listen free on all platforms. If you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. All right. You want to do it, Neil? Here we go with number 351 called Rust Never Sleeps By Me and Crazy Horse. This is, here's here's the deal with me and Neil Young, yeah. is this is how much of a fan I am not of Neil Young, but that's not saying that I don't respect and enjoy his music, mm-hmm. is I thought the song Harvest Moon came out in like the early 70s. <laughs> and then I found out recently it came out in the 90s. And that that was really the first real love of Neil Young that I ever had because mm-hmm. I was I was probably like a two-year comic. I remember it's me, Gerard Carmichael, and my friend Angelo Bowers in this girl's, these two girls' cars. We, we've been smoking a joint after doing the Unknown Theater. Did you ever do the Unknown Theater? It was on Santa Monica and Seward and Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Tiana and Laura Valdivia uh, like ran the show. It was a very, very important place for me in stand-up. Yeah. I was probably in New York at you the know, time. Probably. Okay. But everybody, that's where I met Burr. That's where I met Gaffigan. Like so many people. That's where I started the goddamn comedy jam uh, because I met the band there. And we're, we're hanging out like four in the morning, listening to the radio. We'd smoked a joint and Harvest Moon comes on the radio. And I'm like, this is one of the greatest, most beautiful songs I've <laughs> yeah. ever heard in my life. And then n- nothing. But, I don't listen to anything else of his, really. But that's so strange because I was actually thinking about that because that, that fact always 
surprises me too. That like all those years later, that's when he pops that out. But it's so reminiscent of his early, early stuff too, that it seems like to love that and not love the stuff from yeah. his beginning solo, like it, there's so much connective tissue there that maybe you just didn't smoke the right weed and listen to the, <laughs> <laughs> those albums. Because seriously, because there's like, the coolest thing about him as an artist is just how he's restless. Like he just keeps evolving, but there's yeah. always that kind of, that 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 common denominator of that that soulful, folksy, kind of angry, like temp, tempo, uh, not, not tempo, um, meter to everything that he did. Well, maybe it was also maybe you were just listening to other kind of stuff when that was happening. You well, know I, what mean, I mean, this you is could have been a different guy. Oh, 100 percent. I wasn't ready for it. But there was something about like Harvest Moon is one of my cry songs. It's mm. like that uh, Vincent by Don McLean, um, mm. Stardust Memories by Nat King Cole. And I'll even throw in the Willie Nelson version of it. That's yeah. That's my favorite song of all time, Stardust With, Memories. Oh, Stardust Memories, yeah. You know that Holy one? It's like, shit. sometimes I wonder <laughs> how I'm the lonely night. Oh, my uh, God. And that's also, when I, did, that's when Willie Nelson did all those standards, right? That the whole album yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, and I actually just did his uh, granddaughter's podcast the other day, and she was like, when did you become a fan? And I was like, well, I mean, I thought he was cool and half-baked, but I didn't become a fan until until I heard him do the cover of that. And I'm like, oh, right, this guy right. is incredible. I mean, the fact that he, I know I have this story now, uh, I mean, I made me go back. And this is the same thing with Neil Young, is that it's yeah. not like I'm not a fan of his. I, I find him to be this fascinating character. I've seen him pop up throughout, like, playing with Pearl Jam. And I remember when Crazy Horse came out and I need, I remember, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So I, so I know why this dude is super important. And, yeah. and, and, and that's not saying that I'm, that I'm not a fan, but this is honest to God, the first real record of his that I've ever listened to right. all the way through from start to finish. But wow. for, for it's you, interesting. I well, mean, there, there's definitely, there's definitely those things where you, which is such, so great about music also is that you, you are a different guy at different times as you're growing up. You're, mm -hmm. you're a different guy. And so like if you were like hardcore into like metal at the time that we should that uh, your friends were folksy and listening to you just you know, you're just a different guy and you're not going to intersect with it. But for me, for Neil Young. Yeah, I was into I, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young and all that kind of stuff was like kind of like whispering around me. But when I was I was an athlete during uh during school and when i and but i was you know i wasn't like a like a super jock like i was an athlete i loved football and i loved all that stuff but it was by also, the way are, are you not an athlete now at all like you're very specific you're like <laughs> school after that it's, it's, it, it all left my body yeah well i wasn't i was yeah like there was no i literally i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna give you the the, the actual timeline on it because when i was i played football and, and then senior year i played some kindergarten till senior year and when football was over i rolled a joint I got my guitar and I was done with sports <laughs> and I started lear learning. And I played that a zillion times in my room, getting high for the first time. Nice. And that was 
Neil Young was my co-pilot out of one era into another era in wow. my life. And I from that. So that was like talking about growing up and those different things that hook you. That yeah. was a love affair. And I was just in with Neil Young and just learning that <laughs> that riff. So back then, what what was it though? Like what? I mean, well, first of all, like so, this came out in and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. This came out in June of 1979. So I'm born five months after this, November. Uh, so like, so I'm already you know by the time I have this is now I'm 41. So divine that it's like taking me 41 years posted coming out for me to finally dig into this. How yeah. old were you when this came out? So in '79, in '79, I'm 10. I'm I'm nine. So, so I was a kid. I didn't, but I catch up to this in later six. Okay. Yeah. So, so in 86, so in 86, you're getting out of high school. Like you said, you stopped playing sports. You're smoking grass. Like, what is it that draws you to Neil Young? I, the words, like I was always wordy, you know, I was, I was also the class clown as I was an athlete. So I was always like into into funny, you know, like yeah. I, I loved, you know, all the great comedian, like I was, digesting comedy my whole life. So it was the words and the soulfulness and there was just an ease to it. I, there was just a, this wasn't a guy that was fucking around. This was a guy that was writing amazing melodies and stuff, but the words and the stuff, there was a weight to it. You know, there was just, you know, old man, take a look at my life. I'm a lot like you were like all that stuff was just hitting me. I don't, you know, why does a poet, hit you i don't know i mean but he tapped into something that i was identifying with a hundred percent he was just soulful and he was saying things that were opening up i mean even the rest of this album is you know stuff about native americans and it was just like it was just opening up it was just but you know that's an intellectual part of it the other part was just I fucking love the music that and it's funny because when you think about this album like that's what the first thing that triggers in my mind is like oh this is when he's with crazy horse and it's getting he's getting harder you know he's leaving that acoustic thing it's actually a very sweet album the album is pretty it's pretty melodic and it's still reminiscent of that it's not like you know some of the stuff when he would really Which, tear it up electrically. This is what's funny is that I, from everything that I knew about Crazy Horse and what he, what they did with Neil Young, yeah, I, I can only picture like Mirrorball because I thought it was going to be this grunge, you know, keep on right. rocking in the free world from right. start to finish. And that yeah. was my, that's my music. I love, I, that's where I grew up with grunge. I love it more than anything. I, I still dress like a roadie for Soundgarden <laughs> and I'm fine with that. But then I put this on and it's so like the first half of this record, I mean, is, is like you said, it's beautiful. It's melodic. It's these yeah. acoustic ballads that are all recorded live. And the whole time I'm like, God, is this ever going to like pick up? And then side <laughs> yeah. two kicks in and you're like, but there it is, man. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> even, even him doing uh, my, my, Hey, Hey again. I mean, that is, yeah. Cause, Cause everybody's talking about how great this song is. And I listened to the first version. And I'm like, I mean, it's beautiful, mm -hmm. but it's not until you get to the final song in the record that I'm like, Oh, now I get it. Now right, I see right. why this was important. So yeah. dude, when you start listening to this, I mean, does that kind of like, what were you also listening to around that time? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Yeah. I'm going to love answering because it's going to kind of figure that out, figure out like <laughs> why really we could like, why was I listening to that? Because, uh, 
I I was listening to so in '86. So I saw Van Halen. Nice uh, in uh, the '84 tour, right? Mm-hmm. That was like my first concert at the Madison Square Garden. REM, like early REM, was was starting. I was like listening to all of that stuff, like Document and Document, those great. kind of thing. And um, and but I also had this, you know, my father, my father's influence. I took his eight track and put it into my bedroom, and mm-hmm. actually hooked an eight track that was for a car to speakers in my bedroom, and I was listening to. Joe Cocker and Jimi Hendrix and uh, Boz Skaggs. <laughs> I was listening to like, I had this kind of like, this kind of stuff, but I definitely had a folksy part. Like that REM kind of thing is, is kind of folksy. And then of course, Dylan, you know, that, that was the same age where you hear, I heard Dylan for the first time. So, you know what I mean? So it was like singer songwritery, a yeah. little more folksy. I wasn't, I, I as much as I loved rock and and that kind of stuff, I wasn't like completely balls out. Needed like big stuff, you know. Like, did you get into hair metal? <laughs> no, really, nothing. No, no like white what? snake. Like, I don't like know, white like, snake or poison. Like, Here or... I go again <laughs> on my own. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like I love that stuff, but almost, but only like in what was fed to me in the pop world. You know what I mean? Like only yeah. stuff that was fed to me. I wasn't like going and getting those albums i wasn't uh that wasn't my really my thing do you want to this is this is how crazy life is and i've talked about this before in the podcast and actually uh she's helping me uh not furnish but you know style my new apartment in new york but my Uh ex-girlfriend uh who i was engaged to is now married to tommy lee from Motley Crue, and I was such a huge fan of Motley Crue when I was 11 years old, or 11 or 12, I cried <laughs> when they lost the American Music Award to Poison. <laughs> and now she's now like, and it's it's crazy. It's just like, That's it's one of those- crazy. It's one of those things where you're just like, if, I mean, if I never followed my dreams. Yeah. I just never would have, I right. never would have had that connection. And it's like, oh, thank oh God. God. If I never do anything in my career, <laughs> I know those moments are so great when you're just like when you find yourself in these situations I always say quietly to myself thank you comedy like yeah. whenever really whenever I'm like in this crazy hotel or like standing next to an idol of yours or like in a conversation with somebody you're just like oh man thank you comedy hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever, because you've actually done, I mean, you've worked with some of the greats and you, and it's probably from, from, you know, what you've done in your career, have met some incredible people. Have you ever met Neil Young? I never met Neil Young. No, I never met Neil Young. 
But I was actually literally this morning, so, uh, I was asked on my radio show, what was uh, one of the best concerts you've ever been to? Yeah, what and, was that? And the first one that popped into my head was Neil Young at the Beacon Theater. It was probably like 90. It was probably Harvest Moon. It was probably like 92, 91, something like that. And it was a snowy night at the Beacon Theater. He was solo. He had this big pipe organ on the stage. Yeah. And he would go from guitar to this giant pipe organ, just like hunched over him. Just that voice. I think that was another part of why I liked him, because when I was learning guitar, I yeah. could you could sing that falsetto. Like anybody could be like, yeah, oh man, take a look at, <laughs> look my, at life. my life. I'm a lot like, like you, you were. You know what I mean? Like, and just to see him like playing this, it was a snowy night when we went into the beacon and he plays this incredible show and he's just in there mis mystical like stuff. And then we poured out into the Upper East, Upper West Side and it, it was a blizzard. It was just packed with snow and we're high and we just kind of like drift out into the thing. It was just the one of the best concerts of my life. So so that's funny that you, you say that because, all right, so uh, I just moved to New York. I live in Gramercy. Um, oh, nice. Uh, because I'm getting sued. I can't tell you exactly where. I'm not letting the old landlord find out. Um, <laughs> but but um, on the other night during the, the Hurricane Ida, uh, mm. And this is also what I, because you were saying about like music that you listen to. And, and I, so I'm listening to this record. Yeah. And then this thrash metal band is playing at Gramercy called Soulfly. They're from a band called Sepultura. It's like Brazilian thrash metal that I listened to when, when I was basically the age that you found out about Neil Young. Right. Um, and, and much like that experience, you know, the, the concert ends, you know, it's just a bunch of sweaty, like <laughs> Latinos with really long hair. Just, just, ha, just been in the mosh pit. I haven't, I'm <laughs> we want and I'm just on the cut. And then I leave and it's like, we come out and I'm high and it's just torrential downpour. Wow. And not the same, but yeah. kind of the same. There wasn't yeah. an organ, but there was like, you know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of devil fingers. It was, it, and it's also what's Moving, funny. A big emotions and then you pour out into this. But also weirdness but al of the city. But also what was funny is just the, the, you know, that, that comparison or not comparison, just you're, you're it's like two extremes where mm -hmm. you're listening to this thrash metal and then immediately I can put this on mm -hmm. and, and it's like, and I think that's something that just happens over time where it's like, I probably wasn't ready for singer songwriter stuff when I was your age right. that you found this record. Right. And right. then it's like, it's like my whole evolution. Like it's almost like this record came into my life perfectly now mm -hmm. where I'm, where I'm, I'm an adult. I've, I've, I, my, my musical landscape has broadened and it's like, I can actually appreciate this. Cause if I just would have heard Neil Young when I was in high school, I'd have been like, this guy's voice is terrible. Like it's not <laughs> right. like, I get it. Like I get yeah. that he's important and I get that he's saying stuff that's important. But yeah. it just never would have clicked until now. Which so is it must, it must have been it must have been a a little bit of for of a mind trip for you when if you're so into grunge, when at that moment when all of the grunge heroes are bowing to Neil Young, right? Because yeah. there was that moment when all of a sudden it was like, no, he's the guy. He yeah. was he was the god, right? When Eddie Vedder and all these guys were just like, no, nah, no, nah, this is the reason we do all of this. You must have been like, huh? Did it make you think, oh, maybe I should give this guy another listen? No, nah, you know, it, yes and no. I, I think there was, 
I guess there was a there was just a way that you I kind of looked at it like, oh cool, I'll get to that. I mean, I, I right. get it, and I and I just tucked it away. Yeah, yeah. And I did listen to the Pearl Jam stuff that he did because uh, I remember them doing "Rocking in the Free World" and uh-huh. I think like the MTV Music Awards or or something right. where they brought yeah, him yeah. out. And and it, it's but it's like I said, it's just sometimes like like jazz. Like I always look at jazz because jazz is my favorite music of all time. And oh, my yeah? my dad grew up with just playing it for me, and yet wow. I just. Didn't I remember I, when I was a kid? I was like, "This is cool," and then I started getting into hair metal around eight, and then I was like, "All right, you uh-huh. know what? Like, jazz is lame." And it wasn't <laughs> until I had a moment around like twenty twenty one where it somehow made its way back into my life uh-huh. on a road trip, and then it, from that point on, it was like, "Oh, I was ready for that." Which yeah. still at, at twenty twenty one years old is like super young to get totally. into something like Miles Davis or to get into Oscar Peterson Trio, oh. but but singer songwriter stuff that's very young and it's like you know especially i'm going to raves and i'm like taking cat tranquilizer and then it's like (laughs) you know you're going to the after party like you guys want to hear some stan gets (laughs) right but it's but this the thing is that like it's singer songwriter stuff it wasn't until my my late 20s but by that point it was a lot of like british rock uh, mm-hmm. A lot of like British acoustic rock, like Richard Ashcroft and Radiohead and Travis. Mm-hmm. I, I just kept putting Neil Young on the back burner until right. Harvest Moon. And when I had that moment with Harvest Moon, it, it, it just made me start yeah. like kind of finding out a little bit more, listening to a, to a little bit more. But uh, it, it's it, this is what's so great about it is everything that we just said about you know, the side one and the side two, it's like, you really can see just like how important he was to that grunge scene, because that's mm-hmm. the whole second half of this record is literally uh, man in the box. It's, it's by Allison Chains. It's Nirvana. Uh-huh. It's Pearl Jam. It's, right. I mean, it's every right. element. And so he is in a sense at the forefront of being the godfather of grunge. And think about it. Like he had already, I mean, he started very young and he was, he had already had all this success. I mean, he's definitely, whatever your opinion, he is a true artist. Like this is a guy that is totally fine with taking everything that's ornate and, and, and in place for his career and just tossing the table up and trying something new, leaving band members, going for something else. He was always like dedicated to the music. It was such a, you know what I mean? Like he was, so he had this career and it's, it's all that kind of stuff. And then he gets to that age and in 79 and just decides like, I want to turn up the amps. I want to just blast the shit. I want to, I want to, I want people to feel this rock. I want people to feel this energy. I want to harness this thing and push that out. This yeah. is the guy that was like so sweet and, you know, playing Sugar Mountain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. at that, like, like it's almost like he should have, don't you start off plugging in and just ripping the shit out of stuff and wanting the walls to crack and wanting old people to hear you. Like he starts soft and then all of a sudden kicks into that. So I think, I think we're, this is what everything you just said about Neil Young about like, he's, you know, it's like, he's, 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 it's, he's not locked down to just doing like playing with one band. Like he's kind of like the jazz musicians of Mm -hmm. the the fifties and the sixties where Miles Davis is like, all right, I'm going to play with these guys now. And now I'm going to go over here and play with them. And, and much like Miles Davis, you know, Miles started seeing the tide turning in music where he was mm-hmm. like, okay, 
this this non-electric stuff is passe. Everything right. is sly in the family stone now. It's funk. It's uh -huh. parliament. So let's plug in and let's make something like Bitches Brew, which, you yeah. know, is a masterpiece. You know, it, it took you a few years. You get listeners. your head around it. <laughs> but there's moments that are so beautiful. And then you're like, this is a fucking... Mess, <laughs> right? But yeah. is it me but or is it him? <laughs> but but that's the thing is that I think you know from what I read in here. Let's 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 read a little bit about the record because Adam pulled up some good stuff. Hold on, where is the little dude? Or here it is. All right, so here's a little bio about the record. So this was released in June of 1979. This is a most. This is mostly a live album with songs taken from different performances in '78, then overdubbed in the studio with audience noise removed as much as possible. The album is divided into an acoustic uh, Neil solo side and an electric with Crazy Horse. After his final performance at the boarding house on May 28th, Young collaborated with the art punk band Devo mm -hmm. on a cacophonous version of Hey, Hey, My, My, Into the Black at the different first studio in San Francisco and would later introduce the song to Crazy Horse. Wow. Uh, Devo. <laughs> Diva, which which we've had, um, we had what's his face, uh, Gerald Casali on the podcast. Wow. So, and yeah. I had their drummer, uh, Josh Freeze, oh, which is man. another band that like completely blew me away. Because it's, yeah. it's like the funny thing is like even with Neil, like I always looked at him as the old man take a look at my. But then you find <laughs> out that he's got this whole other collection of great music, and much like Devo, I only saw them as Whip It. Uh -huh. And then you start listening <laughs> to the rest of their shit and this band fucking rules. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so during the different first studio session, Devo vocalist Mark Mothersbaugh added the lyrics, Russ never sleeps, a slogan he remembered from his graphic arts career promoting the automobile rust-proofing product, Rust-Oleum. <laughs> Young adopted the line and used it in his Crazy Horse version of the song as well as the title of his album. The electric style is described as abrasive and was influenced by the punk rock zeitgeist of the late 70s and provided a stark contrast from Neil's previous release, uh, Comes a Time. The album mm. has also widely been considered a precursor of grunge music, like we said, and many grunge artists have said, yep, they've been inspired by Young's distortion guitars on the B side of this record. So yeah, right. so that makes yeah. a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. And you're right, like with the, with the Neil Young, I mean, with the, with the Miles Davis thing, it's, you gotta think like, all right, they're good, they're great. Everybody calls them geniuses, right? Yeah. And so there's like this, it's almost pretty ballsy to be like, all right, all the young kids are going and doing this now. I'm going to do it too. And I'm going to try and do it better. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? That's pretty ballsy to be well, like. I, a he's a hip guy. I mean, he, I mean, for, for having such a weird hair, like the way his hair falls, he's a really hip guy. <laughs> yeah. It's a really, it's just, it's all, I feel like it's, he's always been at the beginning of like, you know, male pattern baldness. I guess it just hasn't. <laughs> gone away it's just like it's thinner it's like you want yeah. to give him some like horse shampoo and just like just come on can we use like a just something he's super but, tall so he's always hunched over so the hair actually like he's yeah, like yeah. warlocky yeah, you know? yeah very warlocky perfect warlock but there's but that's the thing is that like he is this cool guy i mean mm -hmm. so to Would you see, ever see you ever see the documentary of uh of crosby stills and nash when they're because they you know that was a very uh you know him and 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 those band members it, it was like they were they were kind of at war like they were they, they put it together and they put all of them in and they were they got something they've got lightning in a bottle and neil's just like no you know i'm i'm out 
I'm going to go do my own thing. And him, you know, fighting with all of those guys, there was just like these big egos. And he was, and the reason I bring it up is because he says his dedication, he's like, he's kind of cantankerous in the, in the documentary when they're asking yeah. him about it. Like, why did you screw with this? And he's like, it was just about the music. I'm sorry if feelings get hurt. And I'm sorry if people think like I'm an asshole sometimes, but it was all always, always was and always will be about the music. It's always about creating music, pushing music, doing, and it was, I don't care if a band member gets upset. It's, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about the music. And that's why he went through all these iterations and played with all these different people. Yeah. And you know, those guys, you know, they've said in a lot of interviews, he's an a-hole. <laughs> have you? And he's have, like, no. It's have you have you ever met somebody in comedy that had that same perspective where they're just like, God, it's like they're so great of a comic. It's just mm -hmm. they're just like they don't care about the friendships, they don't care about anything. It's just the jokes. I don't know. I don't know. I find comedians to be a little more sensitive like they, they they do care about what you think about them you know That's what true. i mean yeah 100 percent. i mean maybe louis back in the day he was like he was the only guy that seemed to be kind of an asshole and didn't care about what your conversation was on the yeah. way to the stage you know what i mean yeah. uh probably him more than anybody yeah you know mm -hmm. he was so he was and he was there just you know i didn't like him because he was kind of an asshole but uh but he you couldn't deny that he was he wasn't there to make small talk he was there to go up on stage and do his thing sure you know sure well, so, so neil young in a sense is 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 basically that that's what he cares about he wants to make the music mm -hmm. he wants to do something great or at least something that's that's in his heart and it, and i feel like from this record he he basically got that because yeah. each each song on this record is is a complete and utter like outpouring of just emotions mm -hmm. that yeah. that's what i experienced i mean so let's let's kind of go through this record a little bit all right what first of all well i'll get to it i don't want to, this, this <laughs> album has the greatest the greatest uh track title of all time <laughs> can you guess what i'm thinking of uh ride my Have mama you, Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I love and I love this song too. And didn't love he, this didn't he I, didn't he raise llamas like later in his life? Adam, <laughs> find out. Adam, find out. There's got if there's a video he, of him like uh, like llamas like, or ostriches or I think it was llamas though. I'm I'm praying there's like a video of him like like feeding like an alpaca or whatever those things are that this those like llama esque. Oh God. All right, but we gotta start with the title track. Not the title track, but the opening track. My my hey hey out of the blue. Uh, yeah. Young compared the rise of Johnny Rotten with that of the recently deceased King Elvis Presley in this track, who himself had once been disparaged as a dangerous influence only to later become an icon, Rotten mm. returned the favor by playing one of Young's songs, Revolution Blues, from On the Beach on a London radio show, an early sign of Young's eventual embrace by a number of punk-influenced alternative musicians. Ah, interesting. Very interesting. It's yeah, interesting. It's, I didn't know the punk thing. I knew like the grunge part of it, but not that the 
but well, I mean, yeah, that's such a great line. But there's, I think the the line that really, really sticks out to me, which is the one which, you know, I was going to ask you, is this arguably one of the most important uh -huh. rock lyrics of all time? It's better to burn out than fade away. <sighs> I know, I know. But that is a great line. I mean, come on. That is, I mean, because that's, that's the weird thing about rock though, right? I mean, it's that all those, there were all those bands kind of lashing out of like, it's better to burn out than to fade away. And it's like, but these guys went on to have careers 40 years after that, so that lyric was written. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, a hundred percent. So, so does that lyric speak to you or is there like another Neil Young lyric that sticks out to you even more? Um, that is one of the, one of the tops, I would say, I mean, Old man, take a look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. That one for me, that's that version, a version of that line stays, hits me in different ways as I continue to age. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like my relationship with my father, like there was times when you were like, like there was an anger towards it. Then there was an embracing of it. And then the, you like, you see all the different shades in that one line that probably for me is carries a little more weight. I get that. What you know. like what about this lyric in particular though? Like, what do you think? Um, especially just from the meaning of it, do you think that it is better to to burn out or to fade away? Better to burn out than to fade away. It's hard to say. Like as a as like when I look at musicians, there are very few that you want to see running around that can do it. Like you could see like a Keith Richards continues to go, and Bob Dylan continues to go, and like there are versions of it there. But then there's there's like that 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 brand of like, you know, youthfulness that you don't want to see. Like when you see like on, on the, uh, the DVD things on television, when you're on the road and you see like the specials for like the, for like foreigner. And like, you see some of these guys that are still out there doing it. And you're like, it's kind of cringy. And you see yeah. like the 55 year old women still pumping their fists in, yeah. the, in the audience. It's just like, some of it doesn't work. Some of it doesn't age and it should fade. It should burn out. It should have burned out. No, the, I, you go to see a band like Rolling Stones. I mean, right. they're just, they're still putting on a show. They're still killing it. Bruce Springsteen, still uh -huh. killing it, doing a three or four hour show. Paul McCartney, he's in his, I think he's in his late 70s, if not early 80s, yeah. and he's still killing it. Foreigner, on the other hand, <laughs> they, my buddy works for Booz Allen Hamilton in Washington, D.C., and during their <laughs> Christmas party, Foreigner played. Right, right. You know? I know. And they're great. They're a yeah. great band. But it's, it's yeah. you know, it's, it's, one of those, <laughs> I, it's one of those things where, like, so I do that music comedy show, the goddamn Comedy Jam, where it's like all the comics sing, and it's great. And I'm 41, and I've said, I'm only going to, I'm going to keep doing this show until I don't look cool doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think mm -hmm. there's like, you know, I don't know when that's going to be because my right. knees are already starting to hurt. And I mean, <laughs> I've got so much CBD cream on my knee and it's like, you know. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't, I don't, you know, in, in, when you really look at that lyric, though, I mean, let's look at like a band like Nirvana. Uh-huh. Because, because I think that, because one also, and this is, I'm, wow, it's full circle. I didn't even think about that as I was saying this. This is actually pretty creepy. Um, the lyric, uh, it's better to burn out than fade away, mm. uh, was uh, quoted in Kurt Cobain's suicide note. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Young later said that he was so shaken that he dedicated his two his nineteen ninety four album Sleeps with Angels to Cobain. So all right, so that's that's perfect mm. that that I actually brought that up because I didn't because like one, that's Josh. A, thank you very much. Thank you. Good one. I've got chills. You? I've got chills. But this is the thing though, is like what would have happened with Nirvana if he doesn't die? In 1990, and quote me if I'm Adam, was it 93 or 94? Just because I know somebody's going to get pissed. 94. 94. So yeah. if he doesn't kill himself in 1994 and Nirvana continuously keeps making records, I mean, right. is it in, it is in, in it's Amy Winehouse? Same thing. It's like because they have these small catalogs of music. Yeah. That, even the doors. So, like, it's like yeah. you, you get four records, five records, and then that's it in that short window. Are they still the legends that we still look at, these icons? Is Kurt Cobain going to be, you know, there are there kids that are, that, are, that are 13, 14 years old that are wearing Nirvana shirts? Like, this is the band. Right. Are right. they still doing that? Because they're frozen in time. Yeah. They're doing it, but it's different. I mean, Dave Grohl still rocks. He's still, you know, doing his thing. But it's, there is a, there's a, I, look, I'm, I'm all for artists going and getting deeper and, becoming something else but that's a different conversation that thing that you're talking about like like Kurt Cobain is distilled for us he is set in amber as that rebellious that thing that he captured is oh that's just going we only get that from him that is it and that is pretty special it's horrible but it's pretty special that that's all that we get and because it just oh it's so the essence of all of that is just set in time, set in stone. So yeah. yes, he he would have. I guarantee you, I would go see Kurt Cobain twenty years later in at the Beacon on a snowy night with some weird instrument up on stage, and it would be meaningful and something special. But it would have evolved into something different. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's look at it. Look at it in like look at it in film because this is the one that just keeps popping in my head. All right, someone like James Dean. Right. Mm-hmm. James Dean is just encapsulated this good looking young dude, yeah. the coolest of the cool. Yeah. And then who is also like his, his like contemporary Marlon Brando yeah. and Marlon Brando <laughs> should have <laughs> died right around last tango in Paris because, yeah. because he did the Island of Dr. Moreau. He was a fat blob. <laughs> and I think he wasn't even in half the movie. If you watch that yeah. Val Kilmer documentary. Yeah. And it's like, we look at Marlon Brando now 
Dude, he's the greatest actor that has ever lived. He changed the face of acting, and yet all we think of him is that fat dude wearing a wearing a muumuu with the little tiny person, yeah. you know, and on this shit movie directed <laughs> by John Frankenheimer, which is terrible. Terrible. I know. I know. It's horrible. So yeah, you're right. It's like this. It becomes this different story. I will say this though. What the one art form that can continue to uh, where you want to see them get old. And I'm not just saying this for our benefit is comedians. True. Comedians, because very few comedians are rock stars, sexy, young, vibrant rock stars. They're thinkers. They're communicating. Like I mean, Yakov Smirnov was very sexy. He I was much very, <laughs> very sexy. There are some exceptions. <laughs> There are some exceptions, but you want to see like you want life experiences. You want people. I would much rather watch a comedian later on than when they're starting, even though they're funny people. And, you know, we all start out and it's like my apartment, my dick. <laughs> and and my girlfriend. Did you just look at my set? Did you just look at my set from last night, the cellar? Because that's everything I just talked about. Yeah. So you know, like there's there's life experience for comedians, but that's a different thing. They're almost well, like more like writers. There's funny that you're saying that, and I'm not going to name who the comic is, but I'm friends with a very very big comedian, and we were talking about about stand up, and they are talking about how they want to retire because they're feeling like their specials aren't getting better, they're getting worse. And oh. and he's like, I don't wanna, you know, I it's like, I've, I've done the hits, I've done all this great stuff, mm -hmm. I've toured the world, I've made a lot of money, but I last thing I wanna do is put out a bunk special that, cause dude, you know comics, dude, we are, you know, we, like we said earlier, it's like we, even Louis cares about what his contemporaries think he might not like it might not influence like his his life you know to the point where he's like i have to change my whole set but we there's something about seeing a comic in the back watching our set and just being like okay they stuck around to watch me so we we like that respect so so i know for a fact that that he's you know probably heard and 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 realizes that it's not as good as the first few specials mm -hmm. and so he's like i feel like it's it, and he's young he's a younger dude uh -huh. you know it's rare that you get somebody like carlin who is you know and listen carlin's later specials weren't as funny but what he was saying right was a hundred percent spot on it wasn't as nearly as funny as the other stuff but someone like lenny bruce who is one of my favorite comics of just the just the the mythos of him just the mm -hmm. legend of lenny bruce if lenny bruce survives the trial survives heroin never dies is he still this 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 like king of cool and like you know what i mean yeah but it's it's uh, the reason that carlin that was is because he continued to write he continued to mine that source. He can continue to use his craft to dig deeper. And whatever young comic is saying, I, oh, I already did it. Well, be more patient. Go back and write. Mine it. You're a great comic mind. Obviously, you're able to connect with people. Yeah. Go deeper. Be patient. Don't release something for another four years, maybe. Yeah. Go back to be patient. Let it grow. Let it become. And then fucking come out with it. Don't feel like I've got to do it every hour and keep up and keep my tour going. It's all marketing grossness. Yeah. You are richer as an older person. Go deeper, mine it, and then put it out. And don't be a slave to 
the what what you think the public wants from you. Yeah. Stay true to the art form and go. I mean, if you can write and you can if you're still constantly writing, you'll be relevant. It's the guys that stop and you see it. You see like the references are a little dated. They're not really exploring. You can see it. And it's because they're not creating, right? I know, dude. I've got I got 10 minutes on Reaganomics. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm like, God, I gotta, I gotta write more, man. Yeah. He's like, this new Gingrich guy. And they're like, what is it, Josh? What, you're only in your 40s, dude. Yeah, yeah. I know, but, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, and that's that's a great point because like there's someone like Burr, I feel like his specials are getting better, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and, and that's the thing. And 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 just to, to add to that point, you know, dude, it it rules getting older. Like it's, 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 especially as an artist, it's like you, we become more comfortable Mm -hmm. in our skin and, you know, some, some music musicians and comedians have put out better stuff as they've gotten older. For example, um, and I did the album on my podcast, uh, Peter Wolf, is Uh that, yeah, Jay Giles band, he had that record. I did it with Burr uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh Um, And the Jay Giles band stuff is great. But like, this is like a a fully formed artist, you know, and for like one guy in his 50s, I think maybe he was in Mm -hmm. his 50s or like early 60s, putting out a record about getting older. And he talks about love in a way that you're like, oh, this is a person that's lived through it and experienced Uh the end of a relationship that's been heartbreaking and how to come out of that because someone in their early twenties that's writing a song about love has no fucking idea about what real love is. So some can mine it, some can mine it and use it and use it properly. But then on the other hand, some are just like, some bands are just still making the same record about Reaganomics. And look, there's, uh, there's something, you know, like the the Nirvana thing is a a great example. And just some bands are, you love them for their youth. You love them for their anger, for their thing. Like the Stones, you know, they, they put out some good stuff like later on, but does anything touch like Gimme Shelter and those like the raw energy of what they were doing? Yes, they evolved. And if you love them, you're going to go the whole distance with them. Yeah. But there is something to those, the raw energy of youth and anger that, you know, you just want that and you don't want them to die. We don't we, no. well, We'd like to go and like look back and do all the rest of it. But there's, you know, like watching Dylan. I saw Dylan at Madison Square Garden in like 98. So what is and, that? What album is that? Is that the fucking Time, time out, out of Mind? Mind maybe? Yeah, yeah, we did that. I did that with uh, who do we do? Was that was that Rita Wilson? Check to see. I dude, this is I've had the weirdest people on this yeah, podcast, this dude. I've had Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks's wife, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like it's oh, it's great. These it's are good in, people. Good people. But there was I remember what we watched, and he had that great band with what was it, John Sexton and uh and and you know, that album was kind of like a rebirth. It was kind of like yeah. a new a new thing. And the the album it was great, but I I was with a bunch of people that, you know, several people that were not really hardcore Dylan fans. And uh, they came out like, yeah, it was good, but man, that voice, you know, that's always the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he was evolving into this different character. And he, but for me, like the, the artistry, like his craft work could not have been better. Like he was, uh, he was so good and he yeah. was evolving. And it was like, like guys like that, these quirky, you know, 
different with um, like poets in a way. And Neil Young is the same thing. It's like they weren't the guy in tight pants selling sex. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that's what it is. It's like if you're selling sex and you're a sexy young person to see that get older as a as a yeah, like, Brando, nobody- like, oh, it's like, really, but if you yeah. show up and you're just kind of like a goofball and you're just like a different kind of a thing that can get old because you you want to see a gnome when he's old. You don't want to see a gnome. You yeah. weren't into the gnome because he was wearing sexy pants coming out of the mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> Huge fan of gnomes. Huge oh, fan. Love gnomes. So I found this quote. Uh, John Lennon commented on the message of the song in a 1980 interview with Dave Sheff from Playboy. And it's specific about it's better to burn out than fade away. And John Lennon is quoted saying, I hate it. It's better to fade away like an old soldier than to burn out. If he was talking about burning out like Sid Vicious, forget it. I don't appreciate the worship of dead Sid Vicious or of dead James Dean or dead John Wayne. It's the same thing. Making Sid Vicious a hero, Jim Morrison, it's garbage to me. I worship the people who survive. Gloria Mm. Swanson, Greta Garbo. They're saying John Wayne conquered cancer. He whipped it like a man. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that he died and all that. I'm sorry. Yeah, this, is, <laughs> this is a real quote. Like they yeah. literally just, could they, could they, Adam, could you have cleaned this up a little bit to get me the meat and potatoes? <laughs> I, like I, it, like, I like it. No, keep going. Right. I'm sorry for his family, but he didn't whip cancer. It whipped him. I don't want Sean worshiping John Wayne or Johnny Rotten or Sid Vicious. What do they teach you? Nothing. Death. Mm. Sid Vicious died for what? so that we might rock. I mean, it's garbage, you know? If Neil Young admires that sentiment so much, why doesn't he do it? Because he sure as hell faded away and came back many times, like all of us. No thank you, I'll take the living and the healthy. All right. See, this is this is what's difficult is, whoever says it last makes sense. I get what John Lennon is saying. And in all honesty, that's kind of how, as on a human level, that is, what I believe, like the old, like fine wines, old artists getting older, I'm totally on board. But the kind of young burning out and rather than fading away, you know, that we have the Jimi Hendrix, Johnny Rotten, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison stories as part of our musical litany and and, and our then the history. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, it I don't I don't want to say that death is cool and that these people suffered and all the people left behind didn't suffer. Of course they did. It's all horrible. And I like I said, I like things to age, but that we have those kind of I crazy, cool little chapters. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of ballsy. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, so it's it's uh, trust me, I would love to have some of these people back. There's there's sure. certain artists that you're in friends or, or whatever that you're just like you know, like my, I lost my best friend in, uh, in 2012. And, you know, if, if he doesn't die, I don't apply what he taught me about life to my life. And so I've been able to find the good in that. And I think it's the same mm-hmm. thing with you know, these artists passing away where it's like, we, we get this small window with them. They make mm-hmm. their stamp on the world. They change, you know, like do Nirvana changed. Oh, music God. it changed teenagers it changed oh, yeah. everything and and i don't know if he still has that effect i don't know if the world turns into the world that that we know like also i don't did you yeah. see the woodstock 99 documentary 
I hosted Woodstock 99. Wait, 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 hold on. We did, we did, fuck, cause I feel like I was just talking about this. Are you, your friends were like Rich Voss. Wasn't Rich Voss supposed to go with Rich, you or something? Uh, there's a great, yeah, he was there. He was on, Rich was working the small stage. Not to shit on Rich, but he, he was actually having more fun. But he was on the small <laughs> stage and I was on the main stage. And there's a great, I literally just saw these photos of it where uh, Rich and I are like at his stage and we're both just like sit looking and there's like this <laughs> sea of people behind us. Like, what the hell are we doing here? But they asked some comics to come and and host and like bring people on and off. And yeah, I was there. And my friend who I was went to, who I brought along, who's just a, you know, a big music fan. Yeah was like, dude, I was watching the documentary, like, please don't show Tom, please don't show Tom. <laughs> it's just you covered in mud, like, yeah, yeah, grabbing a titty. You're like, Tom was, he was adding to it? Oh my God. Hilarious, yeah, dude. Yeah. That's great. Oh, oh my God. It was intense. What? It was so oh, great. I mean, I mean were, you, were you scared for your life? I was, I actually, at the end, yeah. At the end when it was burning down. And who's the, uh, the wheeze? That DJ from Buffalo area, like he's a legendary DJ. The Wheeze, I think his I name is. I'm find him because I got to see what this guy looks like, and I have to hear his morning. He radio looks like voice. John Fox. Like, it, oh, he's like, yeah, yeah. He sounds like me. He's like, yeah, yeah the, the Wheeze. <laughs> We're giving away Woodstock '99 tickets. You can be totally. backstage with Wes Borland from Limp Biscuit if you're the fifth caller. A hundred percent. You just nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that guy and his wife threw me in the back of their car. Cause they knew the area and they got me out of there at the they, end when it was they, starting they, to burn down. They, yeah. they, know, they, know, uh, not without my daughter knew they, they fucking went in there and fucking <laughs> threw like, you in, Come covered on, you. Papa, Papa, get in the car. We'll get, get you out of here. We gotta go. Come on, man. We, save Tom Papa. Save Tom Papa. Gah, 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 gah. Get away from me. You, you, you shit covered fan. Gah, 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 gah. The shit is on fire. <laughs> and it was like, it was, yeah, it was kind of, it was, I mean, they, there's so much to it, but sure. The beginning was so great like when james uh, i'm like i'm just standing there on the side of the stage the whole thing's about to kick off a hundred thousand people in the audience and james brown is standing next to me in his in his uh jumpsuit he's like <laughs> you know the short little powerful alien and they're like somebody's got to go out and say something so i just walk up to the mic <laughs> I'm like, are you guys ready? <laughs> what to say? You look beautiful. <laughs> Water bottles, boots, <laughs> shipping coming thrown at me, and uh, and then James Brown goes on and just and just rocks and just it. annihilates. That's so oh great. Oh my god, just kicked it off. So I found this young replied uh, two years later to what Lennon said. He said, "The rock and roll spirit is not survival. Of course, the people who play rock and roll should survive." But the essence of the rock and roll spirit to me is that it's better to burn out really bright than to sort of decay off into infinity. Even though if you look at it in a mature way, you'll think, well, yes, you should decay off into infinity and keep going along. Mm -hmm. Rock and roll doesn't look that far ahead. Rock and roll is right now. What's happening right. right this second, is it bright or is it dim? Because it's waiting for tomorrow. And that's what people want to know. And that's why I say that. Hmm. How about that? That's, How about that, dude? I would love for that conversation between Lennon and Neil Young to have gone on for 
five days. <laughs> Forget Woodstock. I would have just sat and watched those two talk, right? Oh my God. Yeah. And just Yoko in the corner, just yeah. like. And everybody, and every guy, every time someone opens their mouth, they win the debate and then until the next one speaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're just nailing it the whole way. Um, man, oh listen, man. I, I, both of them are right. Both, both of right. these guys are right. There, there yeah. is, you know, yeah. there's so many people that, that would want some of these people that have just burnout, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they would want them back. But, you know, this, this, this is what we have to accept what we have. And what we have is, is some people only have a short window, but yeah. their stamp is there and it's super cool. And, and, and that's, the, that's what's cool about life is that we can keep questioning it and being like, God, what would have happened though? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like what would have happened if Michael Jordan got drafted by the Portland Trailblazers instead of Sam Bowie? Like, <laughs> right. what would, would it still have been great? We never yeah. know. And that's yeah. what's great about life. Yeah. And yeah, and there's, you know, they're they're speaking to a part of our psyche, like those people that did burn out talks to that reckless part of you that that part that uh, that self sabotaging part of you that what if I were to just just take drugs and and alcohol and just say, fuck it and just go what what, you're right, we all have that little thing in us. What if I went that way? Can I tell you? It's awesome. I've done it and it's it's fucking great, dude. Me and the Wheeze. Me and the Wheeze. The Wheeze. We should call the can we get the Wheeze on the phone? Is he still alive, the Wheeze? I think the Wheeze is. I don't know if he's still on the air. I, I probably not. That was a long time ago. Wait, what do you the, got here? What are you sharing? This is the Wheeze? That's the Wheeze. Yep, that's the Wheeze. That's <laughs> kind of how I envision him. I mean And this seems like it's kind of recent. Like he he looked he looks older now for sure. So this is definitely since then. When I when I knew the Wheeze, when I was with the Wheeze, he was probably 40 pounds, 50 pounds heavier. I mean, he was like a big chubby dude and with a Hawaiian shirt, just like, it's Louise, you know, your whole impression. <laughs> and then when shit went down, the coolest part of that was, well, there was a lot of cool parts, but I stood on stage when Kid Rock came out. Kid, that's when that's when Kid Rock really cemented like his spot. And everyone was anticipating it. Like backstage, he was just driving around on this little scooter, like with his knees up over it. Like he was this yeah. tiny little scooter. And and he had that little that little person that was always on stage with him. And uh, and he, everyone was just waiting. It, it was just all happening. Like he was just rising. And then he came out on stage and the place went insane. Yeah. And I was, I got to stand on stage in the back watching the, like feeling it that was the coolest that was the thing uh, the most profound thing was feeling the energy of a hundred thousand people just literally feeling it and then knowing the power that musicians had to play with that energy to control that like to actually harness it it was like i was up there like and our next band is <laughs> work boots <laughs> like, you in the head and run off the closest thing i got i played marco polo with the with the audience for, like we needed to fill time and i was like marco and they all just started <laughs> and we just started going back and forth and that was the only like semblance of like playing with it I was like oh i see why rock stars are drug addicts because yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't make a drug that's as powerful as what that feels like that was your like uh freddie mercury at live aid you know yeah, <laughs> yeah totally just, marco marco I came up. I was, I was buzzing. 
Be like, who's got cocaine? Because now I think it's the only thing that's going to keep this going. Yeah. He, dude, Kid Rock, had, that was his moment. He had that moment and he capitalized on it. And and I think like when you think about everything that happened at Woodstock 99 with all mm-hmm. the bad shit, if, I, if you say, well, what was one of the positives? You're like fucking him coming out in that, in that fur with the red yeah. hat, taking it off, looking over the audience, and Oof. then hitting that my name is kid and the things going off. Oh. I still watch that and I still get chills. And uh, Brad Williams, the little person comic, has sang that song like four times at the goddamn comedy jam the same way. Wow. Comes out with the fur, which is great <laughs> that he's got a tiny fur and he annihilates it and it's like if somebody ever drops out of a show he's the first person i call i was like you gotta do the kid rock thing that's so great hey this is scott from fly on the call each week i speak to a different musician whether they're in an established band like silverstein or the wonder years or band on the rise like spanish love songs origami angel or meet me at the altar we discuss music and lyrics the successes and challenges of being in a band and more as we get to the core of each artist The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. The other really cool moment for me was the one night ended with Metallica. Oh, yeah. Uh, And and it was like, everyone's hanging out on the stage, you know, everyone's like hanging around and the bands are coming in. When Metallica came in, it was like, if you're not with Metallica, get the fuck out of here. And they just cleared hundred yards from the stage. It was just Metallica people. And they went up and just in their powerful Metallica darkness, just, and they ended the night. And then the next morning, the first act is Willie Nelson and family. (laughs) And he comes out there with his little guitar and he's like, good morning, everybody. And just the softness of just waking everybody up with his music was just like, this is just as baller as what Metallica did that night sure. in this totally different way. I mean, so impressive. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, Adam, you might want to check this for me, but isn't that kind of what they did with Jimi Hendrix doing the Star Spangled Banner? It's like, wasn't he the right. first thing probably that morning? Because that just makes perfect sense. Yeah. So check, check on that. Yeah. That, good morning. Yeah. It's just, it's like you're, you're waking everybody up. You know, you, you know, back then everybody's probably on. What are the drugs back then? You know, LSD, four, and LSD mushrooms. mushrooms. Yeah, a lot of weed. All maybe light stuff. All the light, yeah. Real, <laughs> real, real friendly, real. huggy stuff. I'm glad I didn't go. I watched it on, um, I watched it on pay-per-view at my friend's house. And uh-huh. I mean, it's just, after you watch that documentary, you're like, man, it is, what yeah. a, fu- what a shit they, show. Like going really the way sp- you went, going the way you went is great. I had a hotel. I would go do the thing and really, and they would take me off and I would go to a hotel and sleep at night with my friend. And it was just like, and then you come back and like, we had no idea. We just like thought it was all great. We had no idea. These kids were starving and had no water. It was just awful. So what? So he goes, so Josie, so Josie was Kid Rock's stage partner, the little person. Josie, right. Hendrix was, has been scheduled to climax Woodstock's final evening around midnight, but scheduling delays meant that he did not take the stage until 9 a.m. on Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't imagine anybody. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's get to a couple more tracks and then we'll get some facts out. Um, all right. I got to say what I said about ride the llama, this is the greatest title ever. <laughs> this also might be my favorite song on the record. Uh, uh-huh. Don't tell me yours yet. Cause I'm going to ask you at the end, but this is, I think this is my favorite moment on side one. I met a man from Mars. He picked up all my guitars and played me traveling songs. And when we got on 
brought out something for the trip. Said it's old, but it's good. Yeah, that great, great title for me. Not the best song. Okay, okay. What about Pocahontas? I think Pocahontas has the best opening lyric on the record. Play, uh, play the opening. There's something so special about that. That's real rock star shit. When you could just have like two words and you're like, all right, I'm done. That's it. It's, it's a great song. And then it kicks in the drums, which are super like minimal, like still it, it adds to it. It, mm -hmm. it makes it such a great song. Uh, are there any cool facts? Let me see. He had uh, this cool thing. Like, I mean, even from the early stuff and then this stuff and like Pocahontas is such a great example of it. He had this way of, of, of connecting you to the Western American experience, the Native American history, like the, 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 the joys and the tragedy of all of it. Like, how does that guy capture this Canadian guy coming in and well, like, you, you know what you I mean? Just, like there's well, a real, he really tapped into that. Okay, so maybe I'm, I'm completely wrong about what I'm about to say, but this is just me deducing it. Yeah. Um, so we, I know we've both been to the Just For Laughs Festival in Montreal and you'll see a lot of uh, like indigenous people uh, that live there. So I think, I mean, where's he from? Yeah. He's from Toronto, but he grew up in Winnipeg. Mm. Uh, so he started touring Canada as a solo artist in the mid sixties. I mean, I can only assume that, you know, there, there might've been a lot more. There's a lot of uh, reservations mm -hmm. set up around Canada. Cause keep this in mind. Sure. And we know because we've, you know, it's what everybody says, Canada and all my Canadian fans are going to get so pissed what I'm about to say. Canada so is Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto. And then like Calgary <laughs> and Winnipeg and Edmonton. And once you get out of those main cities, it's the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, and so there's yeah. a lot of beautiful fields. There's a lot of just, you know. Uh, Kansas. It's, it's Kansas. <laughs> it's, it's Alaska. It's, it's like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe he saw it. I mean, I, yeah, I, that's what yeah. I can. That's what I assume. He definitely, he definitely exudes it. He definitely yes. captured it, it in a really pretty profound way. It was kind of like you know, this. There's a. It, it's just funny to have. And I mean, this is kind of the Canadian thing with the comedians and stuff like that. They actually almost seem more American than some American artists. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe it's a little bit of the outsider looking in kind of a thing. But he. He captures like he to me, even more than the grunge. I see why the why the grunge thing connection is there. But for my love of Neil Young, like it's more connecting like with the band, you know, like it's that kind of American, uh, uh, American Americana folksy kind of artist. Then like I see that connection, Dylan, the band, that kind of that's my yeah. Neil Young in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, some some people just can see outside of their world and kind of maybe, you know, he's doing the research. I don't know. Some people are, you yeah. know, some people are the Joe Rogans of music where they mm -hmm. can just be, <laughs> <Right>. they can just, <laughs> the guy's saying the stuff and he, he takes it in and then it's his. And I mean, yeah, yeah. who the, knows? Uh, just if I could circle back just for a sec when Please. we were talking about being uh, like at different ages and like, identifying with music at different times. Yeah. Uh, I've been going through that lately with, uh, with Van Morrison. I was, I've just astral weeks. I saw a guy performing astral weeks in at Largo 
And there's, it's amazing how you could listen to music your entire life at one level. Mm-hmm. And now at this age, I'm actually hearing the words. Like there, Van Morrison has very mystical, trippy lyrics that I never really took in until this age. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was listening to it, loved him, would put him as one of the top artists of all time. And how could that be? And I wasn't even cognizant of what he was saying in some of these words. Because you got older. Because you got yeah. older and you finally started listening and you could process it a lot differently because of your life experience. It's, it's, dude, there's, yeah. there's records that, I mean, that, that I always, okay, computer, okay, computer by Radiohead when I was, I started listening to it before uh, I started going through this like weird, you know, like existential crisis where I was like, do I want to be in college? Do I want to travel the world? And then listening to it during that time when I'm having that crisis, mm-hmm. every song on the record felt like it was written for me. It was right. like, I never had something speak to me. Every breakup I've ever been through, I put right. on Beck Sea Change and it's like Oof. this record is 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 about exactly what I'm going through. Yeah, that's what's so great about art is when you know we might not get it. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, it's like even a fucking a yeah. Mel Brooks movie. Mel Brooks History of the World. I didn't when I saw it at seven eight years old. I didn't get ninety percent of the jokes. <laughs> the second I become you know seventeen eighteen and I'm watching it again, I'm like, holy shit, this is dirty. <laughs> yeah, right, and exactly. And you at at seven or eight, did you like it though? Like it was loved still it. fun. Yeah. Loved it. I loved for the, a whole in, different reason. The, yeah, the all yeah. the songs and it was just funny and there was yeah. fart jokes. But that's you know it's 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 just that's what so great about getting older is that you see things differently you realize what's important what's not important you appreciate art Mm -hmm. way different you appreciate cities everything friends and and so that someone like van morrison you know it's the you're not it's not written for it's written to be enjoyed by everybody, but it's not written for a 16 year old. No, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's not. this is, this is a, he's, he's somebody that's lived Dylan. Yeah. You know, it's rare that you get somebody at a young age that can write stuff the way someone like Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Van yeah. Morrison and Paul McCartney and all of these guys, you know, have done, but it's like, it, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, dude, that's what I'm telling you people. When you get older, it fucking rules. It does. Yeah, your knees hurt. Yeah, your knees hurt, but it <laughs> rules. Don't live on a fifth floor walk up. You can't That's what see I'm shit. You can't see shit. <laughs> can't see anything. Your, your hips hurt just from sitting. <laughs> but there's always a throb. There's a throb in your body. You don't. It's, and it changes where it goes. So hopefully, it just stays in one place. You can't see when you're walking through the comedy store in the dark. You're not oh. sure where the steps are. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has tripped backstage yeah. on the walk from the walk from it. the main room to the main room uh, uh, green to the room. OR. Yeah, everybody, everybody has tripped. I'm so glad to hear that because I'm like, am I a hundred years old? No, why am I, they don't like why it am I properly. Grabbing, why am I grabbing onto rails and strangers in the audience, dude? No, it's it's just they don't light the place properly. But that's why it's a good comedy club because it's dark yeah. as hell. You're right. <laughs> right. Right. Danger right. fields. We, we gotta talk about we gotta talk about some of the rest of this record. Uh sail away's good. Let's get to let's get to the Powder side finger. two. Let's get what to side Powder two. Fi- what about Powderfinger? Best solo on the record, in my opinion. Play 334.
episode, the young recorded a solo acoustic version of Powderfinger in Malibu in 75 and intended it to be unreleased mid-70s record, Chrome Dreams. He later sent the tape to his friend, Ronnie Van Zandt, a Skinnerd, which is funny because this is that solo kind of sounds like something from a Skinner record, uh, who were to use the song on their next record. However, Van Zandt died in a plane crash in October 77, and Leonard Skinner never recorded the song. But this is, this is, this is, and also, uh, Adam, find out how old Neil Young was when he made this record because this is kind of cool. Like the lyrics are the uh, posthumous uh, narration of a young man who attempted to protect his family against an approaching gunboat. He realizes that all the older men are unavailable, leaving him to do the thinking. Uh, after initial indecision, he eventually takes action and is ultimately killed. The lines about fading away so young echo the line, it's better to burn out than fade away. This is, mm. I want to find out how old he is because this is like mm. he's telling this story. Yeah. Like you said about the Native Americans. What, what do you got, Adam? He was 34 years old when he recorded. Okay. All right. 34 is not young. It's not no. old at all, but it's not young. I mean, you no. you know, in your 30s, you yeah. maybe maybe you have You're a 401k. Up. Yeah, you have a 401k. <laughs> you, got, you got investments that hopefully you have investments. You're thinking about taking vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You might take a daily vitamin because your parents say, at least if you're not eating properly, take a daily vitamin. Okay, right. Just take it, make sure you get your, your vitamins. Fine, um, fine. But yeah, that's that's pretty mature. And then, I mean, the next song, unless you have something you want to add about this, do you have anything you want to say about Powderfinger? Because it sounds like you're, you dig the shit out of it. Yeah, no, I like it. I, it just, that kind of like, the beginning of that really hits me for some reason. Why, what is, what is uh, I don't remember, no. is it the lyrics? Look out, mama, there's a white boat coming up the river. <laughs> it's just With great because it, it's kind of like Gordon Lightfoot where you're like, you're just, you're into him because it's like, it's emotional and he's talking about love and he's talking about all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, I'm, wait, I'm on a boat? Oh, wait, I'm on a railing? <laughs> wait, what's happening? Where are we going? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> this kind of epic stories that start to come it's out. It's a Jerry Bruckenheimer <laughs> film. Yeah. Bruckheimer. You're, you're like, again, probably the first five times you listen to it, you didn't even know it was about a boat. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, turn up the river. Um, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's I think it's great storytelling. I think it's a great song. I love I love the way it sounds. And then I really dig Welfare Mothers. Uh, really, really, this is this is when when people say that this is pre grunge. Mm -hmm. Welfare Mothers, in in my opinion, is the the song on this record that perfect. And then mm -hmm. uh, even Sedan Deliver. Uh, it's another grunge song, almost punk rock. Um, and then, I mean, we got to talk about the 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 last song. Unless you have something you want to mention about these two songs. No, I don't. Okay, so yeah, hey, hey, my, my, pl uh, play the intro because this intro, we've yeah. we've already done it seven times. There's little little Tommy with a guitar, like I can do this. But that's did the only. Did you nail it? Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, it was like, oh, cow, this is, this is how it, this is how it happens. <laughs> so good, so good. So good. All right, so, all right, so I gotta ask this question. Yes, sir. Uh, what side of the record is better, side one or side two? What do you enjoy more? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to guess which one that I would say. Fuck. All right. Right now, because it's sixteen. Same. Side two. It hasn't changed. All right. Side two. Side one. Really? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yep. Yeah. I like the I like the uh 
the lighter version. I like the soft. I'm going to make out with my girlfriend to this version. Yeah. All right. No, I got it. And then I put I, on side two and she's out of there. I think this is, I, <laughs> that's a little scary. It's just like side one keeps her there. Then you put on side two. It's like, you gotta go. We gah, come back. Gah, 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 gah. You pick up the Nintendo, you know, controller, you start playing it. You're like, All right, honey, I gotta go. I got my Atari thing. Yeah. Your boys roll in. You just, <laughs> no, I, I, in my opinion, I, I'm a side two guy, mostly yeah. just because I, I, I really, really just was expecting that from the mm -hmm. beginning and right. then when it kicked in i was right. like all right this is great but but not taking anything away from side one yeah. because i think that's what makes this album so cool is yeah. that you're getting it, it, it this could have been a double album it could have been like right. a love box right. speaker below or whatever that it's it's just it's yeah. great it, it's it's different and i was very very happy after I was done with it, that I got exactly what I expected, and I got something that I that I expected to be on an album previously. Mm -hmm. So it was nice. It's a. Yeah. I think this is a great album. I think this is a great introduction. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've never listened to Neil Young, this gets you. This gets you both sides of him. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And for me, I know this is kind of gross to even say, but. The first side, like that version of Neil is, uh, he does that better than everybody else in the world. And the the heavier part, there are people that do heavy better. Sure. No, 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 I get it. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? 100%. Yeah, there's, trust me, there's, I mean, there's Black Sabbath, there's Deep Purple, there's Led Zeppelin, there's people that, that's, that are those bands. Yeah. But... That's what's cool about Neil Young now. And mm -hmm. I and, and I don't know because I've never listened to anything else before that. I mean, is this the first time he's plugged in and went crunchy? Right. Yeah, I think I, it if is. it is, if it is, yeah, then then this is then this is him being like, right. no, I want to do something different. Punk's coming out. Right. Let's put on the distortion because that's what I feel right now. And that, that's right. I don't, I don't know that's what's going an on. Not, yeah, it's an artist. He's he's yeah. changing with the times. All right. Here's some random facts uh, and reviews about the record. So just because they just put out a new Rolling Stone list uh, yeah. in 2020, uh, this album actually jumped uh, to number 296 on the 2020 Rolling Stone Top 500 list. That's a 55 spot improvement, which is uh, which is wow. big because a lot of the albums we've done so far didn't make it to the oh, 2020 wow. list. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they didn't. All right. On the... 2012 list, Neil Young appears uh, five times with Crazy Horse accompanying him twice. Uh, besides today's, uh, you'll see a Neil and Crazy Horse at 210. Oh, okay. All right, what else do we got? We gotta, we gotta, Adam, did you give me some good facts? Because these are all these are all crap. <laughs> these are, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, I got some stuff. I got some stuff that's not even about the record. Neil was offered $1 million to headline Woodstock 94, but he turned it down for the fest becoming too commercial, preferring to let the spirit of the original festival live on. That is a thing that I've always admired. And you know, from listening to music your whole life, that there's very few, there's only a couple that didn't put their music into a car ad. He was like one of the only ones that yeah. stayed when we were young. The idea, the idea that one of your favorite bands even thought about 
going into marketing and advertising, it was selling out and it was the worst thing. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. If you, if you thought your band was selling at selling out which is now an aspiration is, was a crime. And he was one of the only guys that stuck to it his whole career. Good that's, for him. That's pretty admirable. How much is he worth, though? Find out that, Adam. How much is Neil Young worth? Go to, like, uh, Neil Young net worth. It's always <laughs> accurate. It's always accurate. It's always pretty close. Says that I'm worth $10 million. It's always accurate. <laughs> He's worth $200 million? Yeah, he doesn't need to sell shit, dude. He's yeah. made his money. It's like there's certain people that just are good with what, it, what they have. It's like, like I'll give mm -hmm. you an example. Matt LeBlanc from Friends. Mm -hmm. And I know that's such a weird thing to, to suddenly go to, but I was getting ready to move to Los to move to New York. I had to get rid of my Porsche and because I got a Porsche Macan S in 2020, right before the world shut down. Wouldn't have gotten it if I knew there was an infectious disease that was about to stop all my touring and everything. Son of a bitch. But uh, I had the car when I was getting ready to move. I was like, I got to sell it. I called the Porsche dealership and they were like, oh, here's this number. Call this guy. I called the guy. He's like, come by. Let me take a look at the car and we'll, and we'll buy it off you. And I, I drive in and Matt LeBlanc is in a Ferrari leaving. And I go to the guy that I'm meeting. I'm like, was that Matt LeBlanc? He goes, yeah, he's the co-owner of this place. Whoa. And I was like, no shit. And I was like, and I started talking to him. I was like, what, why is he co-owner of this place? He's worth like 800 million. He goes, not only is he co-owner, he's here every day because he loves cars so much. Wow. And that's what I'm saying is that this guy could do anything that he wants to do, yep. but he's, he's happy selling cars. And when yeah. I go to drop the car off two weeks later for them and I have to sign the paperwork, Matt LeBlanc is in the cut eating chicken wings, like literally <laughs> like hand him that paperwork. And I talk to him and it's just like, that's what I'm saying. Some people, right. they make their money and they're happy with what they make. Yeah. And they don't need to sell out to it's like, yeah. 200 million. Your kids, kids, kids are fine. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's why yeah. when, yeah, I don't want to say it, but when Dylan, we'd say it, Dylan was in a, his music was in a car ad. And then I was like, what is he, what's he doing? And then I went on his website and he's selling whiskey. I was just like, what? Is, is there a different Bob Dylan? <laughs> is there, wait a minute. This can't be the same guy. He's not the, the spokesman of it. He was just his music or is he like, is he like his you know, song? No, his song was like under like some car ad. And then he, oh. and then he has whiskey. That's he's just selling whiskey. I, don't know. I mean, that's kind of, listen, you I know, get it. I get the, it. It's fine. Yeah. But I want mythology. I want heroes. Yeah, I know, it's, I know it's a lot to ask, but there you go. Is it better to burn out or is it better to sell whiskey to yeah. to people? You know, exactly. And when you say that, it's like it's almost like it is two versions of the same guy. Yeah, there's that there's actually like four different versions. This is a weird this is a weird fact. This is the last one I got yeah. uh, for a short period in 1996. Neil shared a Toronto apartment with Rick James. Wow. Remembering the experience in an interview with Howard Stern, Neil said, we did some wild things. It's all very hazy to me now. I'm glad I made it through that stage. It got a little <laughs> dicey. There were some drugs going on. Oh, you think? You think there were some drugs? I remember singing one song for about a day and a half. God, if I could have a GoPro camera and go back in time and set it up in the corner of somebody's apartment to watch, just study. 
if I could big brother any apartment in the history of the world, maybe I would see the conversation between Lennon and Young, fucking Neil Young and Rick James, dude. Super Dad. freak, super freak, I'm super freak. Should we? I'm not doing Neil Young's voice. Should we put out another line? You wanna, you want a biggie thicky or a smallie quickie? Because I know you gotta get out of here. God. Let's go, Ricky. You're my best friend. <laughs> You're my best friend. No, I'm right, Tally I see... from South Park. <laughs> I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing with that song, Super Freak. Yeah, all right. I'm digging the vibe. I'm so Good. high. I'm so high right now. Um, God, I love that. All right. I rapid so questions good. and then you're out of here, man. And this is Tom. This has been so much fun, dude. So thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right. Favorite song on the record. Uh, ooh, I would say, I have to say, because of my, my guitar history, I'm going to say, uh, my, my, hey, hey. Okay. Pocahontas is close second, though. Okay, cool. Uh, least favorite song on the record? Uh, probably the llama. What? Yeah, I love that. I love the title. Title's great, dude. Title's great. The song, Title's yeah, great. It's the most rock star fucking. It is That's like, that's Ride the Lightning, Metallica, dude. Ride the, <laughs> gotta ride the llama. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what song on this record would you fuck to? Oh, Pocahontas. Nice. Yeah, dude. You're yeah. the Native Americans. That's what I'm, turns you on. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like, I like. I like my sex with a little misery. There Quiet is, misery, dude. though, Quiet not choking misery. misery. Also, it's not a long song either. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, In and right. out, dude. In and out. Uh, all right, yeah, and then why should the younger generation listen to this record? Oh, because it's got balls, because it's got energy, but it's also, it's meaningful. It's heavy. It's It's got depth. It has depth. And maybe depth This seems to me, in my old man analysis, something we may be lacking. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, I, in in my opinion, if you're a fan of of Pearl Jam, if you're a fan of Alice in Chains, if you're a fan of any, you know, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, any of the bands, Jesus and Mary Chain, I could go on and on and on. It's like, I almost feel like you have to listen to this to realize how you got to that. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that's cool. I think that's that's why I love doing this podcast is because yeah. now it, it all, all that other shit that I grew up listening to in the mm -hmm. 90s, it all makes sense. And uh, I don't think you, you, you get to that without having someone like Neil Young plugging in and, yeah. and, and, and doing, and I love it. I love that. I, the reason I love this record is because I love that he bookended the record yeah. with the same song in two different ways. And, and they are equally as important yeah. as the other. It's like 100%. you, it shows you, it shows you the two sides of Neil Young. It shows yeah. you where he was at in 79 and, uh, and yeah, man. Listen the greatest. To Very cool. Uh, thank you, Tom. Uh, promote away. Anything you want to promote, please. Just go to uh, TomPapa.com. That's where you find all my nonsense, my books, my tour. I'm out on tour right now. I'm going everywhere in the United States between now and March. So if you want to see me more than my wife, go to TomPapa.com, <laughs> and uh, that'll link you to everything. Uh, this is great, buddy. Thank you, man. You're the best. Thank you. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Tom Papa. Follow him on all social media at Tom Papa. Go to his website for all things Tom, TomPapa.com, and listen to his radio show, What a Joke, on Sirius XM Channel 93, and his podcast, Breaking Bread with Tom Papa. 
Listener shout out this week. I want to give it up to my homeboy, ASAP Robbie. That's A S A P underscore R O B B B Y. Hit him up. Tell him why he's a general in the Fleece Army and give your love. And if you guys keep commenting and doing shit like this on my post, you'll get the listener shout out, which means we're going to send you the $25 gift certificate to Red Lobster and you get free tickets to a goddamn comedy jam. Uh, if we do it in your area. All right, new music. Kirk Hicks, listener submitted. Fuck yeah, dude. This guy is a fan. You're listening to the song Gordy Lights by Kirk's Toronto-based band Gordon Lightroom, and you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you are in a band just like Kirk and you want your music played on the 500 and put on the website and we promote it and we help you and we try to build you as an artist, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Guess what? It's another Yard Birdie week coming up. The Yard Birds. The Yardy Yard Birds. And uh, we're going into their 1966 self-titled record, which I think is also called Roger the Engineer. Eh, look at the list. Uh, do your homework. Doogle doogle. Stay please. By yourself. Don't glow. Don't know it. My basket cases. Look now. My laces are tight.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Next Chapter Podcasts.